figured I'd speak on the resurrection. I hope that's all right with everybody. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Jesus, we need your help to understand this divine mystery, this awesomeness that is something we will share in and share in now and help us to comprehend that, that Lord Jesus, we could grasp the glory of your resurrection and its power in our own being. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. The Bible tells us that Jesus rose from the dead. I know that personally because I met him. How about you? Amen? You can't be born again unless you meet Jesus. You, you need to be birthed by him and by his spirit, and the only way you can do that is if he rose from the dead. Uh, so we know that he has. We have a witness here for over 2,000 years. Let me read to you a portion of scripture, and what I want to share with you this morning is this, that the resurrection is not a past experience and not just a future one. It's a present tense power. And that's what Paul says in Romans 8.11. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. And we understand that. We say, yeah, yeah, just like uh, Martha uh, understood that when Jesus said, I'm the resurrection, she says, yeah, I get that, right, yeah, in in when you're going to come again. And he said, now. And he spoke that resurrection life into Lazarus. And, and so what this verse is saying by Paul is that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. It will quicken or it will make alive. It will bring resurrection power into your body right now. It's not just a future tense thing. If you look at the context of this verse, he's not talking about the future resurrection, which you will participate in. Everyone will be resurrected either unto eternal life with God or you'll be resurrected into eternal life in hell. There's a resurrection for all. And so we need to understand we've been made with an eternal soul and an eternal being. You will always exist. So Uh, that's another story, but we'll get to this because you're here to hear about the power in you. And so this power has come into you. It's a resurrection power. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead because it's the Spirit of God. And because of what Jesus did on that cross, he canceled out sin and and death so that the holiness of God could dwell in us, and that's resurrection power. So we've got the resurrection power of God. And Paul uses the resurrection power in different examples for different reasons. Let me help you understand that. He says this in 2 Corinthians 9.11. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. This is Paul talking about his experience going town to town preaching the gospel. And what he's saying to the Corinthians church is that the last town he was in, he got beat up, he got pummeled, he got thrashed. 
They crawled out of that thing barely alive. How many of you know Paul was left dead a number of times? He was stoned a number of times, shipwrecked, all for the gospel. And the reference Paul's using here is that we felt like we were under a death sentence, man. We got beat up pretty bad. But he says this, that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but the God who raises the dead. What's the reference? The resurrection power of God. That resurrection power, he uses it as an example so that when you feel completely defeated, you rely on the resurrection power of God, the God who can raise the dead. It should increase your faith. If he raised up Jesus, he can raise you up, no matter what situation you're in. You've got to trust the resurrection, not just for a future event, for a now experience. Amen? He goes on and he talks, Paul also talks about Abraham. That's an actual picture of him. Romans 4.17, Abraham in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, reference, resurrection power, and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, Abraham believed against all hope that he should become the father of many nations. He had a promise from God that his seed would multiply and bless the world and nations. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Man's 99 years old. Since he was about, oh, 100 years old. His wife was uh, 90. Or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. Now, Abraham's considering resurrection. He's considering that God can bring to life that which is dead. I don't want to get too graphic here, but the man was supposed to have a baby with his wife. And when he considered her barrenness and his age, he trusted in the power of God to give life. Resurrection to his body was just about dead. I don't need to go into any further detail. Hey. There are folks who are praying for children, praying, and God would open the womb and praying. We're praying for you this morning. We're praying for life. We're praying that God would minister, and what the doctor said was dead. We're praying for life, amen? And even in the physical realm of sickness and disease, what people prescribe and what people say, we have faith in a God that raises the dead and a God that we can trust, as did Abraham. And Paul is using him as an example. Paul goes on and he says this, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Though we're getting older and we look older, though, you know, when you get out of the bathtub, there's a ring of death all around it. That's a pleasant thought, isn't it? Your outward man perishes, says the King James. But your inward man is being renewed. Now that word renewed means giving life to that which didn't have it. In other words, your spirit man is having resurrection power, resurrection power daily. It is renewed with an ever-increasing glory. And so you're maturing in the power of the resurrection. You're trusting in a greater way, though you're getting older. Why'd I choose this picture of this old man? Because this old man, Smith Wigglesworth, and he didn't begin ministering till he was 48. He was a plumber, and uh, he didn't know how to read. 
And he married a woman who was a Salvation Army preacher. And she taught him how to read the Bible. And he began to read. And I like what Smith Wigglesworth said because he believed in the power of the resurrection. His healing ministry was unprecedented and powerful. And it didn't start till he was older. But see, his body was perishing. But his inward man is being renewed with resurrection power. He said, there's nothing small about our God. And when we understand God, we will find out that there ought not to be anything small about us. I like that. We must have an enlargement of our conception of God. Then we will know that we have come to a place where all things are possible. For our God is an omnipotent God for impossible positions. It's a resurrection power that is here and that is now. It is a power that raised Christ from the dead. And if that same spirit that dwells in Christ that raised him from the dead, he will also quicken your mortal bodies. Your inward man is being renewed. It is being strengthened. So trust in the power of the resurrection. Philippians 3.10 says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now again, that is not a future context verse. He's talking about right now. Paul wants to know him in the power of his resurrection. What we've done with Christianity is we, we have a, a moment where you accept Jesus and then you coast and get by the best you can till you die. In hopes that someday, when the resurrection comes, you will rise and be like him. That's the best we've got to offer this world. But that's not scripture. That's not the Bible. That's, that, is a, uh, that is a lukewarm Christianity. So what Christ is telling us, what Paul is telling us is that this resurrection changed everything. When you got saved, you became a new creation. Old things were passed away and that resurrection life entered into you, making you a new identity, a new creature. And in that, you can know the power of his resurrection, though you will also know the suffering of Christ. Why? Again, Smith Wigglesworth, great faith is the product of great fights. There's, there's been this concept in Christianity that great faith means you never have a problem. I'll tell you, you don't know how good of a fight you, fighter you are until you're in one, right? How many of you watch, you know, you watch these shows where guys are always beating everybody up? You have those moves memorized, right? How many, come on guys, how many of you watch it and go, I can do that? Yeah. You walk down the street, you're not afraid of nothing. They come at you. I can handle it. I watched live PD, man. I know what to do. <laughs> Reality hits, and you're just tired from bending over, taking the trash out. You, come on. What about our faith? How much do we exercise our faith? No, really. Come on. You got to church on Easter Sunday. All right. Come on, what do we do to exercise our faith? Well, I pray over my bills constantly. I pray for a parking spot close to the door. 
I pray for friends that are sick and ill. But I mean, what are we doing? We've got to get into some fights. Great faith is the product of great fights. Great testimonies are the outcome of great tests. Great triumphs can only come out of great trials. You've been through things. You've been through struggles. But you're here and you're still trusting and you're still believing. Therefore, your faith is growing. And the power of the resurrection is charging up in you. If you were in Sri Lanka this morning, you would have woken up to the blasts that destroyed three churches and many hotel rooms as terrorists have blasted away. When till this happens again in our community or on this soil of the United States? Are we going to have faith to endure? Are we going to have faith to continue because the power of the resurrection's in us? This isn't a belief system. This is the power of God in his people. That's what we're talking about. This isn't a history lesson. This isn't a future hope of, of uh, maybe a pie-in-the-sky idea. Those things are true, but they're only true because you're living them now. They're true because you're going to be resurrected because of a faith that is tangible and real now. It's got to show up. And so let's talk about what this power is that Paul relates to that Abraham knew God could bring life to that which was dead that Paul knew that once he was beat up and gave his life in suffering for the gospel that God's resurrection power could restore him and he could keep on preaching that a man at 48 years old could begin ministering and laying hands on the sick and people began to get healed and restored and he began to preach he understood the power of the resurrection because he had been through trials and suffering Even Smith Wigglesworth lost his own wife to death, though he raised her up and spoke to deliver her uh, from death. At this time, God said, let her go. And here's a man of great faith, saw so many people healed, saw cancer diminished and, and, and did such great works, but yet there is a timing in God. And though he suffered loss, he continued in the power of the resurrection. Colossians 2.13 says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your heart, God made alive together with him. I'm just going to take this apart one at a time, okay? This is what resurrection power does. Trying to remember, what time is service over? 10.30, okay. I get lost sometimes. Colossians 2.13, and you who were dead in your trespasses and sin. Okay, so that applies to the entire human race, right? I was, uh, it always uh, amazes me that uh, when people uh, on TV right now, the big question is, is homosexuality of sin? This is the first question we want to ask. We're going to test you. The answer to that is, let me help you all understand, everybody's in sin. Right? You pick the sin. I mean, why are we going to pick this in? Here's the message for the whole world. Everybody's going to hell. Okay? Did we get that figured out? All right, so that's why Jesus died. And so everyone is going to, to hell. And what did the cross do? God made alive together with him. And so this is the power of the cross. You can see that he's not only talking about the cross, he's talking about the resurrection as well. It's a package deal. Jesus died on the cross so that his blood could cover your sin so that the power of the resurrection, the Holy Spirit, could come dwell in you. 
So by faith, no matter who it is, no matter what the sin is, it's a help for whether it is homosexuality, whether it is pornography, whether it is murder, whether it is, you name whatever sin it is, the cross is the remedy. The cross is the solution. The cross is the power for all people to come to salvation. And this is what it does. It makes you alive together with him. That means he's alive. Jesus is alive. And I am now alive with him. That's awesome. Secondly, forgiven us all our trespasses and sin. This resurrection power gives you the sense, the authority, and the knowledge that sin is gone, it's eradicated, you have power over sin. Someone needs to tell the church this, that we don't have to be sinning. That, as Jude says, that he is able to keep us from falling by the resurrection power within us. And sin is forgiven, canceling the record of debt. Somebody thank God for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ and, and, and God looks at your record, it's blank. It is blank. Because the blood has done what? Canceled the record of debt, no longer considering your sins against you. That's what reconciliation means. All right? And then he goes on, he says, that which stood against us by its legal demands, the blood of Jesus paid that price. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He then disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Let me make this really simple. This is what the power of the resurrection does for you. Number one, it makes you alive together with Christ. You are walking with Christ. Christ is in you. Christ isn't in everybody. Christ is only in the people who have trusted in what he did at the cross. So this is the power of resurrection. This should make Christians act and behave differently than everyone else in the world. We need to get back to that identity of the power of the cross. Secondly, it's forgiven you of all your sins. Forgiven you of all your sins. Some of you need to understand this because you hold on to shame and guilt. And you're continually guilting yourself and shaming yourself. You're listening to the enemy tell you what a worthless worm you are. But in the power of the resurrection, you cry out that you have been made holy. You're a new creation. And that thing has been canceled. Canceling the record of your debt. The only thing we owe God now is praise and thanksgiving for what he has done. Thank God. And to live to his glory. Fourthly, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. Look at if he nailed the law to that cross, then you can no longer be condemned by it. Did you get it? The thing that condemns you is the holy law of God. But if that holy law of God was nailed to the cross in Christ Jesus then there is no way the enemy can condemn you. Who can condemn those whom God has justified? I'm preaching Bible here, everybody. And if we'd know it, we'd be clearly on fire. Disarmed Satan. Does anybody need that enemy disarmed? Right? That means you he took away all his weaponry. He's got nothing to come against you with. All he's got is fear and intimidation. 
Why are we still afraid of them? And his authority. Last of all, triumphing over them in Christ. And so the only place where the enemy belongs is under your feet. This is the power of the resurrection. And so I conclude, what it does is it brings subject. The power of Christ brings everything else subject to it. And this is the power we're talking about. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until it has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. Can I repeat that for us all? God has put how many things? 16. 16 different things. I'm going to list them for you. Maybe there's 17. No. He's put what? All things in subjection under his feet. Now this is a fascinating concept. It's under his feet. Now Jesus is the head and the church is the body. Let's do a little bit of anatomy here. Okay? On the body, where's the feet? At the bottom. If we're his body, and everything's subject to the body of Christ Jesus, things should also be subject under our feet. And so when he is ruling and bringing every authority and power and enemy under his feet, he's using the body of Christ, his church, to accomplish this. Through the power of love, through the power of joy, through the power of peace, through the power of reaching a lost and dying world with a testimony that says, whoever will, come, come to Christ. He loves you. He died for you. He is here for you. He's giving you life, resurrection life. This is a powerful thing. It's the thing that motivated Paul to get up after he had been beaten and pummeled and go to the next town and preach because he trusted the power of the resurrection. He knew the suffering of Christ. Now he wants to know the power of his resurrection. And we keep going till we die. We will die. We will put off this old container and God will then one day resurrect us in a new glorified body. So the retirement plan is awesome. So get to work. Let's get to work, amen? What we've become is clock watchers. I wonder when he's coming. It's getting kind of hard down here. How would you like to hire someone and all they do is watch the clock? And that's what the church has become, clock watchers. When's he returning? When's he returning? It's getting really bad out here. When's he returning? And he said, will he find faith in the earth? Let's get to work. The power of the resurrection meant to do something in his people. It wasn't just to be delayed till he comes. It's something active and present right now. This resurrection power has authority over sin. I'm done with it. It has authority over Satan. I'm done with him. It has power over death. I'm going to fight it. Though one day I will die, I will fight, fight, fight against that power through the power of God's own resurrection. Amen? And anyways, by the way, I'm not worried because when I die, 
I'm going up. And I will be resurrected. Amen? So I am going to die, so I'm going to make it really good. Yeah, I'm going out with a bang, man. I mean, there's only what you appointed unto man once to die. This is the, the only time I'm going to die. I'm going to do it well. Anybody else? I'm serious. I'm dead serious. What are we doing, people of God, who, who house the very nature of God himself, who have the very power of God's resurrection, and we're afraid to witness someone in a restaurant? We're afraid to lay hands on the sick in front of some drugstore because what if it doesn't work? Come on. Somebody get activated in the power of the resurrection. It's time the church rose up and puts all things subject into Christ. Amen? And we'll go through trial and we'll go through fire. And that's what will make the power of the resurrection even stronger. Is there anybody ready to do this this morning? Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm not trying to be polite this morning. This isn't a polite Easter message. This is an in-your-face, get-activated message. Amen? And so we're going to move. We need to give life to dead things. This is the power of the resurrection. So I close with this this morning. I want you to begin thinking and take inventory of your own life. Let me ask you, what is dead in your heart? What is dead in your heart? Do you have situations where there's no life of God? Do you have relationships with other people that there's no life of God in it? Is, is there situations where you've given up on things and it's just lying dormant and dead? Let the resurrection power of God call that thing forth. You've lost hope. It's a dead thing. God gives life to dead things. That's what Abraham understood. That's what Paul understands. That's what we need to understand. The power of the resurrection. Don't give up hope this morning. Don't give up hope. I'm telling you that God has conquered sin, Satan, and death. Therefore, he's on your side, he's in you, he's working with you. And so let me ask you to bow your head this morning right now. Lord Jesus, will you minister to us that if there is something that is moving in our hearts, that, that God, you're calling that dream that's dead, that relationship that's dead, that person you didn't think would ever respond to you again, that hope that is now just futile, you're the God of resurrection, and I speak to it right now that, God, you would bring resurrection life and a new hope. I'm speaking to parts of our bodies, Lord God, that are failing us. Would you bring healing and deliverance? Would you speak resurrection power into our soul, Lord God, to our vital organs, to our spines, to areas of our bodies that have just been, Lord, under the power of death? We speak life to them. I speak life to relationships. There are situations between children and parents that have been cut off, that are dead. Oh God, could you bring life? Could you bring restoration to what has been defeated? Some of you have lost your job. I'm praying, God, that this flow of finance that seems dead and dormant, that you would open it up, that people could find work, Lord Jesus, and find employment and find a money stream back into their lives to sustain them once again. I'm praying for the power of resurrection. 
I'm speaking against anxiety and depression, Lord God. I'm speaking against the attacks of the enemy that is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And I command you to lay your hands off of us. The power of the resurrection to bring life and life abundantly into our hearts and into our minds. And God, we release this power now. And as real as that grave was empty is Jesus risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of God the Father, who has called us to sit in heavenly places of authority with Him so that this life will penetrate us and change the city we live in. God, we're calling resurrection life for Roseville, East Point. We're praying, Lord God, for this footprint, this community, this area, for Detroit. God, we're praying for the power of the resurrection to come forth, that the shaking would begin, and that the veil that seemed to cover over our prayer life is ripped in two, and the presence of God moves as the very resurrection of life of Christ moves in us. And if you would agree to that this morning, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Would you stay and ask the Lord to minister, minister as we worship Him and give Him glory.